ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Welcome, welcome to another episode of What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama J. And we... What are you drinking tonight? What am I drinking? I am having some water, (laughs) honestly. Okay, good for Um, you. It's important to hydrate. Yeah, I was going, like... I just like it's not even that I like went out and drank a lot. I just stayed up really late yesterday and I'm tired today and like just I needed some water. So <laughs> that's that my, fair. that's my beverage. What about you? Um I'm having a New Holland Dragon's Milk Stout. Ooh. Um and it's a bourbon barrel stout, so not too bad. It's got a cute dragon on the bottle. Cool. That sounds good. Sounds good. Any what the ill moments this week? Uh, let's see. What the ill moments? Um, let me think. I don't know. It's been pretty a mellow week. I think um, I I did go see one of my kids' this theater, and I saw um their Mean Girls uh that they weren't in the show, but that their friends were doing. And there was a guy next to me, like a dad, and he clearly did not know what Mean Girls was and was not entertained. <laughs> So it was weird to sit next to somebody where me and my daughter and her friend, who is very loud and um, kind of fun and cheers about everything, um, to sit next to us where we were enjoying the show and this man was clearly not enjoying the show. So gotcha. that was probably my wit. Yeah. What about you? Um, I think one for me is that I went to see the new Scorsese movie, um, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which if y'all don't know, is a three hour and 45 minute movie. And who fucking that was a good idea to not put an intermission? Because honestly, I had to pee the last two hours. Oh my gosh, that's a long movie. Yeah, they should give some kind of warning and definitely do a potty break. I mean, they like warn you that it's a long movie, but I feel like if it's typical in theater, if it's longer than 90 minutes to get an intermission, it should be typical in movies as well, because that was just rude. I agree. That should be a thing. Also, because like from a capitalism standpoint, they would make more money. Like people would go refill their sodas or whatever. Like lot, it makes yeah. sense for a long movie. Yeah. So. Or if you had your salty popcorn in the first half, you'd go and you'd get an ice cream or something. Yeah. Oh. Gotta do your salty. In the- exactly. Yeah, I think they'd make more money if they had an addition. I, I agree. Especially like some Marvel movies are now over three hours. Like they might as well. Like it just, it makes sense mm-hmm. to me. But. Um, no, I've definitely sat through some Marvel movies where I was like dying to use the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I think that's my what the ill moment tonight because yeah, that was a time. <laughs> that's funny um all right well yeah it's my turn today um and so uh you know because it's it's the month of thanksgiving i wanted to do a story um about an indigenous person um because you know the statistics on missing and murdered or um 
you know, indigenous people that are dealing with violent crime, um, those numbers, those statistics are really high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like I wanted to cover one of those cases, uh, you know, to kind of honor them and, you know, put this information out there. So um, I did want to say some of the statistics first, because I just think it's important that we know this. And this is from the um, Department of the Interior for Indian Affairs. And they say that in 2016, there was a National uh, Institute of Justice study that found four out of five American Indian and Alaskan Native women, uh, so that's 84.3%, have experienced violence in their lifetime, and 56% have experienced sexual violence. Wow. Um, I know, which is huge. Um, There is also another study, and this is from the Center of Disease Control, that say that Native women have the second highest rate of homicide, and this was from the year 2020, so this is recent. Mm -hmm. And um, additionally, in 2020, homicide was was in the top 10 leading causes of death for female um, Indigenous women from the age of 1 to 45. And that's um, more than, yeah, so more than two in five non-Hispanic Native women were raped in their lifetime. And for non-Hispanic Native males, uh, they had the second rate of homicide compared with other males in all other racial or ethnic groups. And Mm -hmm. homicide was also in the top 10 leading death uh, causes for them for the the age one to 54. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to make the point that there is a large number of people that are being harmed that live on uh, reservations or tribal land. And the numbers of missing Native and Indigenous women is really high as well. There are 5,712 unsolved cases. Yeah. So let's just say unsolved with quotes around it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into some of that because, you know, with the the, all the different agencies that have to be involved, you know, a lot of times there isn't enough coordination or sharing of information. So a lot of these cases probably could be solved, but are not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get into some of that. Uh, but the person that I'm covering today is Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. Mm-hmm. And she is a member of the Blackfeet Reservation in Montana. And this is in Browning, Montana. The population is just over a thousand people. So it's like a very small community Tiny. Um, compared to like other cities, you know? Mm-hmm. So she was very close with her sister, Kimberly. And I'm only bringing Kimberly up because she ends up playing a huge role in the investigation. Um, honestly, she's the one that headed up most of the investigation because nobody else would. So she had gone on a trip to Morocco for three months to visit her husband, I think he might've been a boyfriend at the time, but they're married now. She stayed in close contact with her younger sister, Ashley, during the whole trip, they texted and they would like use Facebook messenger and did some calls. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was like, you know, Kimberly was really excited to see Ashley when she got home on June 8th, 2017. Okay. And they exchanged some, um, some messages through Facebook on the night that Ashley, um, you know, that we think Ashley went missing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at first, Kimberly doesn't worry too much, you know, because it was like they were messaging and then suddenly Ashley kind of went quiet, but she didn't really worry at first. 
And then by the next day, she started to wonder just because she hadn't heard from her. And again, she'd been in Morocco three months. She expected the Ashley would want to come see her. Mm-hmm. So she looked on um, Facebook to see when Ashley was last active. And it was 18 hours before. Okay. And, you know, apparently Ashley was like very active on social media. And like for her to be off of social media for 18 hours would be unheard of because she was very attached to her phone, according to what people say. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, Kimberly started getting worried and, and so she would send some messages and get no reply and she would call the phone and it would go straight to voicemail. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she started getting worried and started calling around and asking people, you know, have they seen her? Have they talked to her? Now, one of the important things that happened on the night, well, it was the last time that the dad saw Ashley mm-hmm. was that he was at home and Ashley lived with them at the time. And he was at home and she, you know, came running through the door and was like very panicked and just, you know, frantic. And she like quickly went around and shut like all the blinds on all the windows in the front and then was like peeking out the windows. Mm. And, you know, her dad just describes her as seeming like very fearful and just heightened. And when he asked what was wrong, she said, I did something, but she refused to tell him what she did. And then when he would go to try to get close to a window, she would be like, no, 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 don't look out the window. And so her dad ended up not looking out the windows. um, And that ends up being one of the things that he regrets, because at some point, you know, a car did pull up into the front. And again, he went to look out the window to see who it was. And she was like, no, 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 you stay. Um, And she just told him to stay away from the windows. And, you know, she was so frantic that he didn't know what to do. So he just backed up and was like, okay. Um, Mm. And then they waited in silence for a few minutes. Nobody ended up coming to the door. And then um, at some point she decides to leave the house. And so she walks out. The assumption is that maybe she got into that car that pulled up, but nobody knows for sure because nobody saw her get in the car. The dad didn't look out the window. Mm -hmm. Um. Why wouldn't he look so, up at that point? My guy. I know. Well, and I mean, when you listen to the interviews with him, that was his biggest regret was that he, you know, when, as soon as she walked out the door, he should have seen who was out there. Um, so that is his biggest regret. And he has a ton of guilt about it when you listen to the interviews. So um, yeah. yeah, it's and really I feel sad. Like it's easy. I feel like it's really easy to sit here and be like, why didn't you do that? And I completely yeah. understand that in that type of situation, you might not react in the most logical way because you're already heightened so I don't want to sound like I'm not empathetic but (laughs) yeah I know but I wish you would have that too yeah okay so on June 12th her mom goes to the Blackfeet law enforcement services to report her missing but of course you know as always with these cases she is told that um Ashley's an adult and she's allowed to leave if she wants to leave um And they did share this strange incident that happened with the dad being present right before she left. But um, and they really hoped that that would make the police take it more seriously, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. And she had spent some time away from her family in the past. Like there was a time when she was grieving the death of her grandfather and uh, she kind of went away for a while. And then sometimes she would use substances and be gone for, you know, a few days at a time. It didn't say what substances So, you know, some people were saying, well, you know, she kind of does that, but she had never been gone this long and never without contacting anybody or using social media. So even when she would go off and like party or do whatever she did, 
and she would always be in contact with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they were really worried, but the police would not take it seriously. And then dad ended up getting admitted into the hospital and still they didn't hear from Ashley. So at that point, Kimberly was like, there has to be something wrong. It's a small community. Everybody knew dad was in the hospital. They were messaging her, you know, so to get no response when her dad's in the hospital, that would be just unheard of. So, um, so Kimberly decides to start her own investigation. And I'm probably going to say like 20 times in this, that she's a total badass. And like, you know, I hope that if I ever missing (laughs) somebody takes up my case the way Kimberly does because she kept everything moving um but so she goes around and she interviews all of the friends anybody that might have seen her so the timeline ends up being that the last time most of the friends say that they saw Ashley was on June 5th at a party Mm -hmm. and there was even a video of her that was posted on social media that night so there was proof that she was at the party that night the party was hosted by a man named Vernon Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it was weird because that same night, some people reported that Ashley reached out to them on Facebook asking her for a ride. But the strange thing was that some of the people she reached out to, like she hadn't talked to them in years. So Mm -hmm. it would be weird to reach out and be like, Hey, can you give me a ride? Um, to people that she wasn't very close with. And so I don't know, you know, if that was actually her or if somebody else was on her phone, you know, trying to create some kind of you know, uh, confusion or, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's created an alibi or something, or just like bring more people into the fold that could be suspects. I don't know, but it was very strange. Mm-hmm. And then as Kimberly was talking to people, she found that there were some people that were really defensive and didn't want to talk to her. Okay. Other people gave like vague details saying that they heard about her being hurt somehow, but couldn't really give any details about what that meant. Or that she was taking into the mount, taken into the local mountains, but nobody could say who took her there. And other people say that maybe she went to Washington, but mm-hmm. all of those just seemed to be rumors. There was like really nothing to substantiate. But I guess people were just talking and hearing these possibilities. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, and then there was a tip that was called in, and this was a couple of weeks after she went missing. Um, and this person said a woman matching her description was seen running away from a car in a remote part of the reservation on highway 89. Oh, and this is, you know, so the, the tribal police and the Bureau of Indian affairs, uh, they did launch a three day search, but they didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this sighting was on the same night of the party. So, you know, timeline wise, at this point, when they got this tip, she had been gone for about two weeks now. Okay. Hmm. Now, there was one man's name that kept coming up, and his name was Sam McDonald. And he is a local man in his 50s. Um, he and Ashley were rumored to be in a relationship with each other. And um, some people that were at the party that night say that she was planning to go to his house after the party. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a another podcast called Up and Vanish. And if anybody is interested in more details, because I'm just, you know, covering this in a, you know, one episode way. But um, Up and Vanish, like, went out and interviewed and they did um, a whole season on this case. And mm-hmm. it's really worth listening to if you're interested. Um But they went out and interviewed him, Sam McDonald, and he admitted that he and Ashley spent several days together after the party. 
So, you know, now there's somebody saying that she was alive past that day that we thought might be a day that she could have been, you know, harm came to her. We don't know if she's dead or alive, but people were suspecting that maybe harm came to her. So, um, but what he described was that they were using drugs and that they were awake for days. Mm -hmm. And he said that during that time, like she would kind of like up and leave for a little bit, but he didn't really know where she was going. He was high. He wasn't really paying attention, but she'd come back. They'd hang out more, party more. Um, And then he said around the 11th, he wanted her to leave, you know, and he wanted her to come down from the drugs. So, um, you know, he says that he was with Ashley making like the 30 minute drive from his place to Browning, which is where she's from. And then she asked him to pull over and told him that she was going to get a ride from somebody else. And this person is known as V dog. Um, she asked, uh, she asked if he knows the location of some like remote cabin in the woods, I guess it's a place like people would go hang out. Um, and apparently Sam knew where this place was. So he gave her directions on how to get to this cabin. Mm-hmm. And then he says that he laid his chair back and, um, and he fell asleep he said he just passed out in his car. And then by the time he woke up, she had left with whoever came to pick her up, which we assume is V dog. Okay. I don't know if you find that strange. I find that strange. I mean, on one hand, yes. On the other hand, there have definitely been times where, like, maybe I partied a little hard and, like, the second people left my house, I passed out. A little weird that he just, like, fell asleep in his car, but I empathize. I, too, have experienced something like that. before she was even picked up. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, So, anyways, he wakes up. She's gone. And then V-Dog is somebody named Paul Valenzuela. And he also lives in Browning part of the year. And it's also rumored that he had a relationship with Ashley. Okay. But here's a little plot twist. He is married to to Sheena Running Crane, and who is also known as T. And this woman is Ashley's cousin. Oh. So he's having an affair with his wife's cousin. I mean, not a great look if that's what was happening. If that was, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's three. Yeah, it's not a good look when you've got somebody missing. So um, T says that she only found out about the affair after Ashley went missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that Paul Venezuela, he's had other interactions with law enforcement for like burglary and weapons charges. Now, T and V-Dog had been on vacation in Seattle, but by the 11th, he had left her in Seattle and came back. And T tells Kimberly that Paul did pick up Ashley and drove her to a town nearby. So that goes along with Sam's story. And then he was angry when Kimberly asked him about this and he accused his wife of lying. So, you know, after T said, oh, well, yeah, he drove her. Kimberly went and asked him and he got really upset and then said, no, the wife's lying. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So they are not the wife and him are not on the same page. Okay. That's important to note though. If there's a different story there, sure. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Kimberly had organized um a search around the area of Paul's house. And um the interesting thing is like, I don't know if she like had permission to do this or like 
you know, whatever. She was just launching her own investigation. So she organized and there were people around, you know, that were helping her search the property. And the police finally designate her as a missing person and they join the search that she had organized. So the police finally are doing something other than when that, you know, the one time they went out, um, you know, that one time that I mentioned before. So, I mean, the fact um, that she had to do it herself is so sad, right? Yes, it is. So, but during the shirt, during the search, they find boots and a sweatshirt and the sweatshirt was kind of tattered and like dirty. Mm-hmm. And the both items were in Ashley's size and had what appeared to be blood on them. Oh. Someone from the party did confirm that that was the sweatshirt she was wearing that night. Mm-hmm. And the items were turned into the police and then they immediately went missing before they could be tested. What? How? Where? <laughs> like, <laughs> are they trying not to solve the case intentionally? Like, what? Yeah. Who's missing? Yeah, I... This whole, the whole case, the way it was handled by law enforcement, it's really frustrating. We're going to get more into it. So I'm going to leave it there right now, but it's really frustrating. Okay. Um, so then Kimberly starts getting texts from T and the texts are saying that Paul has Ashley in a hotel in the nearby town of Shelby. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the wording of like, has Ashley, like that seems like, like, has her like holding her or like as a hostage? Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But so she says that Paul has Ashley in a hotel in Shelby and that Ashley's hair has been dyed blonde. Oh. So Kimberly alerts, you know, the BIA, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and the police, and they do go out to the hotel. But what do you think they find when they arrive? Um, a blonde woman that's not Ashley, quote unquote. Exactly. But the blonde woman is T. So T message Kimberly said Ashley is there with blonde dyed hair and that Paul's holding her. And when the police get there, it's T. So she called in this tip and then she's the blonde woman. Why? (laughs) I don't know. So that's the question. Like, why would she do that? And so, you know, some people, I mean, I don't know what, you know, what everybody's theories were, but, you know, my thought was like, maybe she called in the tip and maybe they were like planning to drive somewhere. And then people would say, oh yeah, I saw Paul driving with a blonde girl. That must've been Ashley, you know, but maybe the police got there before they could do that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it could have been. Cause that seems like very strange to put in that tip. And then you're there with the dyed hair with him. That feels like um, trying to create some sort of sighting of her so that they can say that she's not dead and that way their suspicion yeah. off of them I'm very much speculating but that's how it sounds but to me that would to me that would still be T putting the suspicion on Paul though because if he True. you know if if they did have a plan of going out and people seeing him with this blonde girl who we would assume was Ashley then people would say oh he's the last one to see her so to me T's like setting Paul up then yeah, I don't know it's all very when it was found what did they say like when they found them like were they just like oh you know it didn't really yeah it didn't really they didn't really explain it so I don't know but it's very strange I don't um (laughs) yeah now I mean obviously people think that she's probably dead um 
but we don't know that. And so the theories are that T killed her because she found out about the affair. Um, then there was other rumors that Paul took her to a trailer that he was renovating and that she got in a fight with T there. And then either T or Paul killed her there. Um, or another theory is that Sam killed her and made up the story about being picked up by Paul to throw the investigators off his track. Although, you know, they did confirm that late T confirmed that later that Paul did pick her up. So I think that one's out. Um, now there are other rumors that could not be substantiated, but neighbors of Sam have said that they have seen girls running from his house naked, like completely naked running from his house. Oh gosh. And neighbors apparently had told tribal officials about this and nothing was done. And so I don't know if that has anything to do with Ashley's case. Nobody said they saw her running naked from the house, but you know, that does say that maybe Sam's not a great guy either. Yeah. Like so, adding fuel to the fire. Kind rumor. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then somehow, um, the um, Kimberly was able to arrange a search of the trailer where Ashley was supposedly staying with Paul. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, the rumors that maybe they got in a fight there and she was murdered there. So the walls had been freshly painted and parts of the floor were ripped up and like redone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul had been renovating. So, you know, they, you know, they were trying to make up, well, you know, he's just renovating. He's been renovating. Everybody knows he's renovating. Um, but they did find a pair of bloody shorts that they believe belonged to Ashley. And Kimberly was certain that those were her shorts. She was like, yeah, I know these shorts, they belong to her. Um, so on July 7th, they do another search. And this is Kim Kimberly with one officer. And they, this was a different location. And the officer receives a call that he needs to get to, back to Paul's trailer because T has just set it on fire. Okay. Like mom <laughs> i know <laughs> what so, okay. so t is there and admits that she set it on fire and she said it was because they were going through a divorce and he was trying to kick her out of the trailer so she decided to set the trailer on fire sure. so firefighters were able they were able to extinguish the fire and the majority of the damage was done to the kitchen mm-hmm so, you know, all of these things happen and they're just like threads that are not tied up. <laughs> so I'm just putting that out there. I'm just giving you a timeline. Okay. Um, so then in August, um, they decided to develop a, an actual task force. And this was developed by the Blackfeet Law Enforcement in order to work on Ashley's case. Um, and this is where I want to explain a little bit of the difficulty when you're on tribal land. So reservations are sovereign nations. So um, you know, when you're doing an investigation, it's really hard to establish who has jurisdiction mm -hmm. and the Blackfeet law enforcement, um, agency only has 15 officers oh, and wow. apparently they have requested more funding so that they can hire more officers from the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but the BIA has refused to give them more funding. And so they, you know, their entire their entire agency is 15 people. Um, okay. So as part of the task force, the Blackfeet Law Enforcement, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the FBI, and other outside law enforcement agencies all get involved. 
but they're not good at deciding who is in charge or how to proceed. And apparently they're not very good at sharing information with each other either. And so, you know, a lot of things, it just seems like nobody really knows what the other agencies are doing. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> timeline wise, again, we hear from T again, this time it's September and she's uh, uploads a video to YouTube and entitled setup. And in the video, she claims that Paul took Ashley and is trying to set her up. Now, the video is taken down, and it's unclear if she was ever interviewed about this claim. So she posted a whole YouTube video saying, Paul has her, and he's trying to blame me. And she was never interviewed about what that was about. Or there's no proof that she was ever, there's no documentation that she was ever interviewed about that video that she posted. And she didn't, like... I, I just yeah, agencies are just not doing work. They're not following up on leads. Mm, okay. Okay. So then Paul goes to jail on unrelated charges and he writes to ABC News saying that he knows who killed Ashley and he will give them details if he's transferred to a different prison. Now, ABC has no power to have him move to a different prison. So, you know, they let him know, hey, we'd love the interview, but we we don't have any power to have you moved. And so he just refuses the interview and shuts down and won't talk to anybody. Lady. So <laughs> I sort of wish maybe ABC would have worked with the agencies and said, hey, can we <laughs> can we say that it's a possibility or something? You know, but they didn't do that. So you know, he shut down the interview. Okay. So then a girl named Rosie texts one of Ashley's cousin um, and one of the cousins and says, I had a part in her murder. So the task force goes out to talk to Rosie and she says that, um, oh, and this was through Facebook messenger, not a text. And okay. she says that her Facebook was hacked and she doesn't know who sent that message. So just weird, like, weird things coming up that are making people look in all different directions, you right. know, but there is no, no proof of anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um. So in March of that year, that's when the FBI actually joined the task force. And so they had gotten wow, a few outside tips. Long? Huh? It took that long. Yeah. So the FBI had gotten a few tips outside of the tribe which would be hard for the tribe to investigate because of the jurisdiction. So like if they got tips that were, you know, from a town that was not on tribal land, then they, the, um, the Blackfoot tribe would not be able to investigate that at all. They just have to like, can't do it. Um, so, you know, FBI takes over and at this point, the sweater just happens to be found. And so the FBI takes the sweater and says, they're going to have it tested um, but the family has continued to ask what happened with the sweater and was that her blood on the sweater or was there any other DNA found? And the family cannot get any answers on whether it's been tested, but the FBI took it and said they were going to test it. Okay. <laughs> like, that's not good. Um, yeah. Now, some other rumors came up where they're, um, there has been some corruption in the Blackfeet Law Enforcement Agency. Like people just say, you know, when you're a small community, it will be like, well, you know, some of the people that are 
you know, like judging, you know, a case or something, you know, that might be your cousin or, you know, your wife's best friend or, you know, cause it's a very small, you know, tribal community. And so a lot of times um, things get swept under the rug or cases don't even go to court um, because somebody knows somebody. So they were saying there's a lot of corruption there. And then some people, <coughs> excuse me, and particularly it was Sam who says that um, the Blackfeet law enforcement agency are on Paul's payroll, you know, because he's into like gun running and drugs and, you know, all the things they're saying that he kind of pays them to let him off the hook. Like hush money almost. Yeah. Okay. So then um, a reporter named Rachel Crow Spreading Wings says that she may have seen Ashley a few weeks after she went missing. Mm. So she describes that she went berry picking on the side of the highway. You know, she pulled over to pick some berries. Nice. And then she heard somebody from behind her. I know, right? They're in season. You got to grab them while they're good. Um, so, but she described just hearing somebody from behind her saying, oh, what are you picking? And so she turned and she said it looked like Ashley. And um, she said Ashley looked a little roughed up and backed up when she turned to respond to her. So apparently Rachel like knew that that might be Ashley. And she was like, oh, I'm Rachel. What's your name? And then Ashley like backed up and wouldn't give a name. Hmm. And then Rachel said that there is a man staying, standing like a little ways back from Ashley, kind of watching the interaction. Hmm. And she believes it was Paul. Rachel believes that it was Paul. Okay. And, um, and, she, and Rachel said that Ashley seemed to be afraid of him. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, that's when the girl said her name was Ashley. So like she hesitated to say who she was and then she did end up saying her name was Ashley hmm so you know what this case kind of it sounds kind of like almost a trafficking case like I'm I'm not sure I know but that's it, it kind of is what it's sounding like yeah okay so Rachel says mm -hmm. that she reported this immediately mm -hmm. um and she uh, and she reported it to the outside police because this happened off of the reservation. So she had her, you know, reported to the local police, not right. the tribal police. Right. Um, so she reported it immediately. And um, they told her to call Blackfeet, you know, so she does. So even though those cops would have had the jurisdiction because this event happened off tribal land, those police tell her to call Blackfeet um, law enforcement agency. So she does. But she never hears anything back. So when the FBI took over the case, she decided to follow up with them on her tip. And she goes in and says, hey, you know, whatever happened with this tip I gave? Because I think I saw her a couple weeks after she supposedly went missing. And they said they were totally unaware that she ever made a report. So, again, the corruption or one hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. I don't know, but it seems pretty corrupt that things just keep missing. You know, people's reports missing, evidence missing. Yeah, there's too many like coincidences, right? Like, yeah. like how many coincidences is it? What's that saying? Like how many coincidences does it take for it to be a pattern or something? Like, you know, like it's like there's yeah. clearly something there. I don't know. To me. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> and then on the one year anniversary, her family was given permission to search the trailer again. 
And I just want to say again, isn't it weird that the family is given permission to search for evidence? The police are not going out there and searching for evidence. It's yeah. just such a weird, um, but they go out there with gloves and bags, you know, ready to look for evidence. And they realize that there's discoloration on the ground on the floor. And so they pull back some of the carpet and then they find a whole area that's discolored and, you know, it does look like it could be blood. Mm -hmm. So they collect a whole section of this and, and they place it into the plastic bag and they turn that over for testing. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we don't know if it was ever tested. We don't know if it was blood. We don't know what happened to it after they turned it in. And then I just go, you know, I mean, having the family go out there and gather evidence if this did go to trial, that would be inadmissible, wouldn't it? Like you can't have seen, the family yeah. of loved ones gathering evidence, you know? So in my mind, the police are setting them up for a mistrial, even if this ended up being Ashley's blood, because they could just argue, well, the family probably planted it there, you know? It just seems crazy to me that the family is having to do the investigation and nobody else is helping. Yeah. No, that's weird. And I mean, I get that, like, maybe it takes time for other agencies to get involved, but you would hope and think that once they're involved, they're on top of it, you know, like, that's yeah. wild to me that they're having to collect evidence. Yeah. yeah. And then I did want to say a little bit more about the tribal law and how that works, just because um, the next thing I'm going to say is about Kimberly going to Congress, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, but so the tribal law Mm -hmm. Um, there's a professor, Jordan Gross, and he's a professor at the University of um, Montana, Alexander Blewett School of Law. Mm -hmm. And he says that, um, you know, one of the root causes of, of this problem for indigenous people is that, you know, basically the tribe is told that you're limited on what you can do when the person is involved and who's involved in committing the crime is a non-native they say non-indian um but non-native because if if a crime happens on tribal land but it ha the person who perpetrates that crime is not a tribal member yep. then the tribe cannot prosecute them oh yeah no it is a absolutely horrible horrible thing like you can go on the yeah. res rape and murder a woman leave her on the res if you're not from the res and nothing will happen. I mean, it is. Yeah, they, they can't obscene. do anything to you. And it then, and it says that most, most, yeah, most natives who suffer violent crimes suffer it at the hand of, again, they use the word non-Indians, um, but non-Indigenous people. And so almost all violent crime cannot be prosecuted because, like you said, if the body is dumped there or if it happens on the reservation, but the person is not a member of the tribe, they just let them go. Um, and this has to do with this Supreme Court ruling in 1978 called Oliphant versus Suquamish Indian tribe decision. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this case goes back to the 78, you know, 1978. So there's nothing that the tribes can do about that. And then um, Gross, the, the professor, he also added, and this is a quote from him, reservations pretty much became pockets of lawlessness where non-Indians know that they can go and commit crimes and nobody is going to show up and nobody is going to investigate because that leaves only the FBI to detain and really investigate things. Yeah. So only if you get the FBI involved, can anything happen? But how often does the FBI get involved? Not as often as they should. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, that's, so it's just really frustrating to hear that because 
you know, I mean, it just means there's no justice for a ton of people that are having violent crimes, you know, and, and murderers are missing, or like you said, trafficking's big in this area. So it's just really sad. Yeah, I mean, um, oh, I just, I hate it. I hate it. So like, I understand that tribes should have some autonomy and like be able to have their own laws, but they should be like, it should not be considered like, different umbrellas right like if someone is murdered yeah. we should follow suit we should be able to prosecute we should be able to solve it get this person off the streets because obviously they're probably going to do it again if they know they can get away with it like it's just horrible like yeah. i don't yeah. know that's just like my rant about that i yeah. just don't understand why we can't change i get it's supreme court but they should be able to amend it in my opinion <laughs> like yeah and then on December 12th, 2018, Kimberly, the sister who's a badass, testifies before Congress about the um, epidemic of indigenous women. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so she's just basically saying we need to do more, you know, for um, our brothers and sisters who are indigenous and missing, murdered, injured, you know, whatever the case is, but we need more support and more funding. Um, and they really do need to change this law. Mm -hmm. Um, so she doesn't testify before court, uh, the Congress, but nothing really happens. And the next day after she testifies, there are remains found on the, you know, on the tribal land on the reservation, but, um, it turns out the remains weren't Ashley. So when they heard that the remains were found, they were all thinking it would be her, but it ended up being a man and they said it was ancient. So like an, an older body that had been there a long time. Mm. So in 2020, January, uh, dad passes away and at his funeral, Kimberly gets a tip from, or that, a, that a man named big Al knows what happened. Mm -hmm. And the big Al is his actual name is Alvin dog talking gun or mm -hmm. Alvin dog taking gun. Um, so, you know, Kimberly plans to follow up with him about this tip to see what he knows. And before she can follow up, he's found murdered. And his torso was found just outside of Browning. So I don't know what all was done to him, but his torso is what was found. And it was just outside of the Browning city limits. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds so like one's trying to like keep him from talking. <laughs> absolutely. Um, wow. And then... Um, so then there was other rumors about these brothers named Jerry and Jason Matson, and they both had violent criminal histories. And apparently they had shot at Ashley and her boyfriend years before. Um, and, you know, apparently Jason, like at some point can confess to the crime, but then nothing came of that. Mm -hmm. And it was um, later found out that Ashley was pregnant at the time that she went missing and the family you know, um, they, they say they knew about the pregnancy and they know who they think the father is and that they don't think the father was involved, you know, but my question is, it seems like she was also involved with Sam and Paul. So, you know, I don't know if they can be a hundred percent sure who the father was, but, um, but they did know that she was pregnant mm -hmm. and then, um, in 2021, that's when up and vanish got involved. So they found out a lot of new info, but you know, it still hasn't led to any, um, you know, real, you know, breaks in the case that are leading to it being solved. So, um, 
that's kind of where it stands right now. So if anybody has any information about this case, you can contact the FBI Salt Lake City Field Office, um, the Blackfeet Law Enforcement Services Agency, or your local FB FBI American Embass um, Embassy or consulate. Okay. And they also take tips at tips.fbi.gov. Okay, cool. Well, I don't like that case. <laughs> I know. That's well, so and it's just so sad. You know, she was, you know, just a young woman. And um, yeah, so her date of birth was November 23rd, 1996. She's about 5'2", 90 pounds. You know, she's just a young, you know, beautiful woman trying to start her life as an adult. And, you know, this, I don't know, it's just so hard when you don't know if there's like evidence that's just being missed because nobody's doing their job. I mean, if Kimberly and her family are the ones that are doing all the searches, like it just, I, it's so frustrating that there's no help for them or not a lot of help for them. Yeah. I mean, gosh, like I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. It's so hard. I feel like even in like, when you look at small towns, you know, I feel like there are things that are swept under the rug and it's just hard to know if it's actually like being investigated and they just don't find anything or if it's being swept under the rug and like whatever, but I do yeah. feel like some evidence was mishandled in this situation. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know if it's just they're underfunded and understaffed or if they just don't give a shit, you know, it's hard to know. And I don't know that we could prove it either way, but it's frustrating that this family you know, they're suffering and they can't get any real support. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, even though the FBI took the sweatshirt and the flooring to be tested, the family keeps asking about it and still nobody's giving answers, even though the FBI is involved. So it's just sad and frustrating. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Very frustrating. <laughs> well, is there anything else or are you all, all set on? That was it for that case. Good, good. Alrighty. So some quick housekeeping things, my friends, just keep liking, subscribing um, on, you know, Instagram, or you could subscribe on Patreon. Um, we have some bonus episodes dropping on there. And, um, you know, we'd love to be able to send gifts out to you all and all of those wonderful things. We also um, are or sorry, we also are looking for topics for our next listener episode. If you have anything you want to send in, we're wanting to do that in the next month or so. So please, please, please send your own spooky stories in, or um, you could send them to whatthealepod at gmail.com, or you could send them um, to us via Instagram or, you know, however is easier for you. Um, but we definitely want to be able to get those read. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Mama? I think that's I think oh. that's it. But thanks for listening. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And we appreciate you, friends. Have a good one.